Hey everybody, Nick Espinoza, your chief security fanatic here, and today we have to talk about the upcoming 2022 midterm election here in the United States, because we have to talk about how social media platforms are preparing for this election, and for the record, and a hint... I don't think they're doing enough. Now, here's what's going on. This is coming in part from uh, Shannon Bond of NPR, who I thought had a really good article on this, but um, I, I'm so I'm kind of paraphrasing just a little bit from her. But here's what's up. The election playbooks being used by Facebook, Twitter, Google, uh, basically YouTube specifically, and TikTok are largely in line with those that they used in 2020, which warned that both foreign and domestic actors were seeking to undermine confidence in the results of the 2020 election. There's even more information than there was back then, and some some of the candidates that are actually running for office are now espousing some of this false information. Now, whether that's intentional or not, meaning they've been duped and are sharing in good faith, I cannot say. This is not political, and if you follow me, you know I try to play it straight down the middle. Cybersecurity is agnostic to politics, but we are not immune from it. So, either way, this is a very serious issue. Now, that basically entire situation has left experts who study social media wondering what lessons the tech companies have learned from 2022 and whether they're doing anything more than what they did back then. Now, a host of election-related announcements in recent weeks up has added up to quote-unquote business as usual, and that is according to Katie Harbarth. She's a former elections policy director at Facebook, who's now a fellow at the Bipartisan Policy Center. Um, now, the platforms are largely taking a two-pronged approach, if you didn't know. First, they are tamping down on misleading or outright false claims, and also they are boosting authoritative information from local election officials and reputable news sources. Now, in the first case, all of the major platforms are leaning on labels to basically flag falsehoods and in many cases direct users to fact checks or accurate information. In some cases, the users won't be able to share labeled posts and the platforms themselves won't recommend them. YouTube, Facebook, and TikTok, for example, are also saying that they will remove some of the specific false claims about voting and threats of violence. Now, platforms are often hesitant to spell out exactly how they're going to enforce those policies for obvious reasons. You don't want to give the bad actors a roadmap, essentially, into how you're going to be defending yourself or quashing what they're attempting to put out there, but the range of approaches to labeling and removals also illustrate basically this balance that the companies are trying to strike between letting users express themselves while also protecting their platforms from being weaponized, all while facing scrutiny from both sides of the aisle, not to mention politicians and everything else. Now, Policies obviously diverge when it comes to political ads. Now, Twitter and TikTok have banned ads for candidates about political issues. So in other words, if you're a candidate running for office and you're on Twitter or TikTok, they are not going to let you advertise. However, Google, aka YouTube and Facebook, allow them but require disclosures for essentially who is paying for them. That's very easy, though, to essentially create uh, shell corporations and shell cutouts to fund these kinds of things. Fun Facebook, though, is once again freezing all new political ads in the week before the election, uh, basically, and will also allow existing ads, though, to continue to run. So if you're a candidate, and it's a couple days before the election, and suddenly you drop a bomb that says, yes, well, my, my opponent murders puppies on the weekend, they're not going to let that fly. You've got to basically have the puppy murdering video <laughs> before then. Now, here's the thing. Defining when an ad or issue qualifies as political isn't as straightforward as you might think, and it leaves gaps that could be exploited, and that's according to the experts. Quote, it's actually a quite confusing landscape because there's no regulation, there are no standards, these companies have to follow. Everyone is just making these, making the choices that they feel are best for them and their company. Again, that is according to Ms. Harbarth. So, 
On the flip side of this, all, port, all four platforms are actually highlighting features that aim to put more reliable information into your feed, such as providing information about candidates, voter registration, and when and where to cast ballots, meaning there are disinformation campaigns that say, hey, the, the, you know, the election day is no longer Tuesday, it's Wednesday. We actually saw that in past elections. That information will also be available in Spanish across all of these platforms as well. Spanish obviously being the second largest language spoken here in the United States. Now, even as social media companies are doubling down on their tactics previously from 2020, basically the researchers are saying it's not clear how effective this is going to be. So, for example, in the case of labels, there's really mixed evidence as whether this dispels false you know, impressions, or in some cases they may inadvertently encourage people to double down, and I've actually seen that. Uh, I have seen people on Facebook that say, oh, you know, well, they're flagging it as false information, but, you know, damn it, I believe it, and so they're going to post it again and again and again, you know, or they look at this and say, oh, well, this is just, you know, like one side of the political aisle trying to mind control me with, you know, what is, you know, against what I believe, you know, so so this is obviously a huge thing. I don't think these labels are as effective as essentially the social media platforms would like to think they are, but... There's not much you can do short of just cutting everybody off. Now, on top of this, it's hard to know how well these companies are actually enforcing these policies, which, according to Harbarth, uh, basically describe this as a huge gap to NPR. So, and I quote, companies are like, these are our policies. These are all the things that we're going to do. But they don't talk enough about, okay, humans are failable. The technology is not 100% perfect, again, according to Harbarth. Now, in the hours... For example, after the polls closed in 2020, as an example on Facebook, uh, basically Trump supporters started rallying online under the Stop the Steal banner. If you recall, Facebook uh, basically tried to remove the Stop the Steal groups as quickly as they could because basically it was against their rules, casting doubt on what they considered the legitimacy of the election and calling for violence. But more and more groups keep popping up. In other words, that first Stop the Steal group went down and a second one, a third one, a fifth one, a 100th one you know, kept going. And so Facebook was not able to keep up with this. Again, I don't care if you believe that or don't, whatever. That's not the point here. That is an example of essentially what Facebook was attempting to do in the aftermath of an election that obviously was very contention. Now, contentious. Now, researchers also warn that the 2020 approach really doesn't address the, uh, the reality of 2022. And I would agree with that. Tech companies approach elections as discrete events, typically putting uh, policies in place and then turning them off when the voting is is over, even though false claims don't end when the ballots are counted. And I think that's absolutely true in the sense that we have seen Facebook consistently removing that election integrity group uh, that has been shrinking in size. Essentially, the other platforms that they have to allow analytics and researchers in to start looking at false information or disinformation as it spreads online, they're shutting those programs down as well uh, just after the election. And that is not something that really tracks well because disinformation campaigns are 24 hours a day, seven days a week, especially if they're run by foreign intelligence agencies, uh, you know, looking to, let's say, make an impact or drive a wedge into a society like we have a wedge here in the United States at the moment. So there you go. I think we are going to be in for a rather, rather contentious 2022 election. I can imagine that there are going to be a lot of candidates out there uh, who actually are running that believe that the 2020 election was fraudulent or stolen in some way, shape or form. Again, I do not care what you believe. 
But when they lose the elections, I think we're going to see even more of this. And then we're going to see disinformation campaigns potentially coming out saying, oh, my God, they did when we're not actually seeing evidence of that happening. So we're going to see what happens. Again, I don't care what side of the political aisle you are on. This is the reality of today right now. And so we're going to see where this goes. And Good luck to us all. That's all I really got to say. And please like, share, follow me here on Facebook and Twitter at Nick AESP. And please ignore that disinformation campaign that I'm not sending out, but everybody else apparently is. Same with YouTube, where you should subscribe to me, hit that bell. And as always, stay safe, stay online, stay private, and please attempt to stay educated on the facts. Take care.